This is Mark Martin, Pro Angler. You're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. I'm very excited today to have Justin McFadden on. Justin is the creator of a television show called Unchained Outdoors, which can be viewed on the Gen 7 TV network, which is an online channel provider. And uh, Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. Glad to be here and chat about hunting for a little bit. Oh, great. You know, the one thing I looked at, and the, the neat thing is I was going through some of your shows on the Gen 7 network, is I really have never spoken with anybody about hunting in Pennsylvania and, and that area. And I know there's a strong hunting tradition. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what it is with hunting in Pennsylvania, the game animals available, and, and what you like to do, and also about your show? Well, I think the most important part about Pennsylvania is it's kind of a traditional state, you know, since the beginning of our, our country, really, whenever hunting's been a big part with this territory. And, you know, a lot of people don't look at Pennsylvania as a, as a high-end type of hunting state, but I, I think it's, you know, it, it depends what you're looking for in, in your outdoor experience. You know, we have a lot of species here from, you know, obviously our most popular is a white-tailed deer, turkeys, bear, elk, and, you know, we also have a, quite a good good variety of small game there's lots of pheasants rabbits squirrel things like that we, we pretty much have the board covered here in pa for uh, anybody that enjoys pursuing any game well justin if i remember looking at articles and this isn't directly related to you but more for pennsylvania aren't they taking just some massive black bears out of pennsylvania yeah, the, the Pennsylvania black bear is actually one of the species here that, that I personally think has been uh, really thriving more than any other species. You see more reports of people seeing them out, you know, amongst various areas. The harvest numbers are have been continuing to go up, and, you know, and you're, you're correct. You know, the size of the bear that's been harvested has been pretty substantial. No. With hunting in Pennsylvania, because again, a lot of hunters think about, oh, wow, I want to go out west and hunt. But with the bear population in Pennsylvania, for an out-of-state hunter come and do either bear or whitetail, turkey, is it a hard process to get in there as an out-of-state hunter? Uh, really, I mean, in general, I think Pennsylvania, honestly, well, they are by far the cheapest state for a non-resident to come in and hunt. It's like $101 for your general hunting license, and then you're like $26 for like a bear license and things like that. As far as coming in to hunt, I mean, it's pretty simple, but the only thing you just can't walk right in and hunt would, would be the elk and uh, even our, us residents can't just up and go elk hunting. There's a drawing lottery, you know, system that goes on for that. But anything else, as long as you buy your license, you know, and you can find a place to hunt, you know, you, you're pretty well covered. Okay, so there's a, a matter of looking for either an outfitter or some, I, I'm guessing there's limited public land in Pennsylvania? Unfortunately, yeah, it seems to be going that way. There's a lot of no trespassing posted properties going up, but Pennsylvania has, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of, you know, state-owned, what we call state game lands here that's open, you know, to any licensed hunter to go on. So, I mean, there, there are places available, but of course, you know, we do have some outfitters here as well. And some of the outfitters, you know, depending on their property, some places you can go to where you don't even have to have a license to hunt. But if you can get here and get a license, there, there's opportunities waiting for anybody. Uh, again, I... 
I talk with a lot of folks that think about, hey, I'm heading west to do hunting, but you don't think about some of the hunting opportunities that are available in the eastern part of the United States. Pennsylvania also hosts the great, what is that called, the Great American Outdoor Show? Yeah, they have that uh, every February out in Harrisburg. You know, it's the largest outdoor show in the world. I've been to it, you know, the past four years in a row, and it's it's a good way to fill a weekend, and you need at least that to be able to see it all. It's absolutely massive. And it runs for a couple weeks or something, doesn't it? Nine days, yeah. Yeah, see, that's a long a, show. You got nine days, you know, 1,100 vendors from, you know, outfitters to side-by-side hunting products, equipment. I mean, you name it, it's it's pretty much there. It's, it's a sight to see if nobody's ever traveled to see the show before. Wow. So the cool thing is you said you've been there for the last four years or so. Tell folks a little bit about the show and what prompted you to start it and some background and history on it. I watched it. There's some really good episodes on the Gen 7 network. And and the shortened version of that, you know, it's something that I've always been passionate about. I love hunting. There's not too many things that I won't hunt. Honestly, I I just enjoy all aspects of it. I always had kind of the ambition to do something like this. You know, one day, you know, I decided to uh, kind of start going and see what happened. And, you know, eventually I was involved in a different project, we'll call it. And, you know, things just didn't work right for me. And I just decided to uh, you know, just start something of my own and figure I'm, I'm either going to fail or I'm going to succeed. And either way, you know, I, I kind of did things my way. And if it worked, it didn't. If it, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I mean, there's various ways to go about it. I, you know, for me, you know, I, I just kind of, I'm a hands-on type of person. So I, I do all of my editing myself. Um, I'm still learning <laughs> the ins and outs of that. But I just try to do everything I can and just kind of keep Keep it fun, but you know, more efficient for everybody. It, and right now, we're going on. Uh, it'll be three years now since I started Unchained, and uh, you know, we've had we've had a lot of growth, a lot of you know, good accomplishments, I think. And you know, now we're on uh, the Gen Seven channel, and then just this month, we actually started on a, another channel uh, called Alive Outdoors TV. Uh, they're on the Chantel Cable Network, and they're based in Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, and parts of North Carolina. So that's a pretty cool deal, and, and another territory, you know, not too far from home but uh, another outlet so far things seem to be uh, doing pretty good over there you get in there and you've got some guys spread between pennsylvania and kentucky and there was one other spot i can't remember where the other gentleman was at louisiana louisiana i'm sorry that's it in louisiana and so you can really capture a pretty good cross section of uh what would we call that the everyday hunting guys kind of you know, the whitetail, the turkey, hogs, um, you can really put together a good episode with just a number of different territories that you cover. Yeah, I mean, it makes it pretty diverse. And, you know, one of my biggest goals that I wanted to do was, you know, there's so many different things to hunt. There's a lot of hunting shows, but and there's different ways to pursue it. You know, for me, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, hunting was just a part of life, a part of growing up and what I did. And my biggest goal in life is, you know, with a show anyway, was to I wanted to put together a show that the everyday hunter could enjoy and kind of feel like they can connect and relate to and, and watch a hunt that, you know, that they could do themselves, you know, wherever they live at or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and that's why we say that, you know, we produce a common hunting show for the common hunter because, you know, we, we keep it very simple and, you know, we pretty much hunt, you know, all you know, public land, free, free range animals. And, you know, the nice part, you know, without having a, a group of guys from various states, you know, that presents each of us with new opportunities to kind of go out of state and do some hunting for a cheaper cost. You know, just this past spring, uh, we went down to Kentucky 
uh, we went down there for turkey season, you know, and with James living down there, we had a, you know, a connection to stay and places to hunt, you know, was able to do it a little more, uh, you know, affordable than, you know, hotel cost, outfitters, things like that. And, sure. you know, most importantly, you know, we have fun with it. I mean, because hunting's, you know, that's what it is. It's enjoyable to us. It's always been, you know, a hobby, a sport, you know, the bottom line. You get to spend time outdoors, and, you know, if you fell a tag, you get the cleanest, best meat on the planet to uh, provide to your family. Very true. You can't get much more organic than than the animals out there. And whether they be off of a game preserve or free range, you're generally going to get some pretty good meat off of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we pretty much do public land hunting. I mean, a lot of the places we're hunting at, we've been hunting there since we were kids. You know, it's not, you know, like I said, everybody can hunt how they want to. That's, you know, that's everybody's choice. And, you know, we choose the, you know, we're doing it for fun and, you know, for meat and, you know, more of the, the tradition behind the sport. And, you know, it, it really does reflect, you know, we get a lot of messages and emails and stuff from people, you know, that watch our show and they, they like that fact. You know, we've gotten some messages from people that don't like it because, you know, they're more into the trophy hunting and you know i mean there's nothing wrong with that but we're you know we go to target the the general everyday hunter because that's what we are and that's who we want to connect with with that said your show is set up currently to air on what's called the gen 7 network and for the listeners i'll have a link to that in the show notes but you've also set up recently with a local uh, well local for certain areas cable provider could you explain a little bit about that for the listeners so that some of the folks that might be listening from those areas might you know be able to check it out uh, yeah, Alive Outdoors TV is on channel 15 through Chantel Cable. They're a cable provider in uh, over a million homes throughout Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, and uh, parts of uh, North Carolina. Oh, so it covers a pretty good market across the East Coast. Yeah, pretty good spread. Like I said, it's not too far from where I'm at out of the area, you know. You know, and that's just another another outlet with, you know, another million-plus potential viewers. And I know some folks in them territories, and, you know, a lot of it's kind of like Pennsylvania. You know, you kind of got more of your, you know, down-to-earth grassroots hunters there. And like I said, that's, that's the audience that we're going for. You know, your everyday hunters, your 9-to-5 workers during the week, you know, like myself and all of us, they're really the backbone of the entire hunting industry. They're the ones buying all the products that you see on TV and, and keeping all these big companies moving right products licenses the hunting licenses are, are the backbone of conservation so without the folks buying them the successful model we've seen would stop working oh absolutely so now when you get out there tell the listeners you've been doing this now for three-ish years tell the listeners a little bit about some of your hunts like for example you do a lot of bow hunting i've noticed I mean, I think honestly, the big thing is, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta keep your scent control and and keep all that in check. You know, a lot of the places I hunt here are you know farmers, so the deer, you know, they're fairly used to the people being around. But you know, and I've even noticed firsthand, even though they're used to the equipment and the people, you know, overall they're still alert. I mean, they're very I don't want to say skittish, but I mean they're on their toes, you know, regardless, like you know most deer are. So you just kind of gotta. You know, you got to choose your setups wisely and, you know, get in, be able to get in and out, you know, is the main thing without disturbing too much. And just make sure that, you know, you got your scent control underway, you know, make sure you got yourself in physical, mental shape to focus. And, you know, you know a lot of people, they watch a 30-minute episode, but, you know, you, you got that 20, 30-plus hours a week you spend in the tree stand that, you know, that, that really wears on you. And, you know, keeping your focus is huge. Do you, do you self-film or do you take a cameraman out with you? Uh, I do a little bit of both. I mean, honestly, you know, most of the time I'm self-filming, but, you know, different situations, 
I do have a friend that will go with me and, and kind of help me if I need it. And, you know, it's tricky to sell film, but at the same time, you know, it's almost equally as tricky, you know, having that camera guy there because, you know, when you're pursuing light tails, you're doubling the movements you have to watch for from the tree stand. You're doubling the scent going out. It just depends what I'm going for. A lot of times with waterfowl, I really enjoy waterfowl hunting quite a bit. It's almost impossible <laughs> to, to try to hunt a moving animal and film it at the same time. It really just depends on what species I'm going for and what, what the day is like. You've got to have somebody out there helping you to track the ducks when they come in. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the biggest thing. You know, when you're calling the ducks or geese or whatever it may be and they're coming in from, you don't know. First off, obviously, you don't know where they're coming from till they're there. It's hard to run a video camera at the same time. So pretty much everything that we'll do waterfowl-wise, there's, there's going to be somebody on the other end using the camera besides myself or, you know, any of us that would be doing it. Does Pennsylvania have a wild pig population or is it really done on just game preserves in Pennsylvania? Uh, pigs and hogs, they're, they're all pretty much throughout that. There's, there are some territories of the state where they're at, but they're just not, uh, they're not considered a game animal here, and there's just not, you know, enough population to have a season or a license for it. You, it to do that with a wild population, you're going to be heading down to your friend's place in Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana, you know, we that would be our, our best bet. Unless, you know, we decided to go to, you know, Georgia, Texas, something like that on a, some properties down there, but we're definitely not going to get into it here in PA. Got it. Okay, so on a personal level, I like the idea of coming to Pennsylvania and even the North Carolina area, but both of those, to try for a black bear. I think that's amazing, the bears I've seen coming out of there. So it's really neat that you guys are in those locations and you can put together a hunt for it. Uh, Have you done much bear hunting? I haven't done a lot of it personally. You know, last year I did a little bit. You know, the thing is, yeah, that we do have bears here. We have the bear season. Bears are one of those species that, you know, they're more common in certain parts of the state. You know, they're not as common as seeing a white-tailed deer on the side of the road or something like that. So, you know, to get into a good spot where you know there's going to be bears, you have to travel a little bit, at least for me anyway. But I, I have gone a couple times. I haven't, you know, had any success with still a good time. And, you know, with some of the new seasons they're bringing us for bears, uh, it, it's actually going to be giving me some better opportunities to try that so definitely looking forward to uh pursuing that a little more in the future yeah i've been bear hunting myself once and i well i saw bears and i got a shot at one the error was on my part so i didn't bring one home but it was still a great hunt yeah i went last year actually pennsylvania recently opened up a or they moved, I should say. They have an archery bear season that they moved into the second to last week of uh, regular archery season here. Um, so it's kind of like a combo day. We saw some deer that day. Um, actually, uh, one of one of my guys from PA, uh, he was able to shoot his first buck with a bow that day. But uh, we never did come across any bears. But, it, I mean, we still had a great time enjoying the outdoors and, and spending the day in the mountains. Now, with the show, and like any show, you, you're going to have good sponsors that stand behind you. As you've put your, your show together, if people go to unchained-outdoors.net, they can access your website, and you've got a list of your sponsors there. So you're using a Dart and Bose? Yeah, Darton is a, uh, we actually just got with Darton a couple months ago. You know, they, they make a really great product. And I mean, in my opinion, I mean, they, they've always been one of those companies to me that's kind of been, they are industry leading. They, they hold a lot of patents on a lot of great technology and they've been around, you know, for almost 70 years and they're really innovators of the sport. And, you know, with when you're talking about any company in general, you know, a good product stands on its own but when you have a solid company with a reputation behind it i mean it's just a complete package and that's a lot of the things that we look for along with just a good quality product 
you're also using what are called tooth of the arrow broadheads. I've seen a lot of talk about them online and they look like they're, you know, just a bruiser of a broadhead. Tell the listeners a little bit about tooth of the arrow broadhead and, and how you got hooked up with them. Well, up in the first two years that we were going, uh, we used to be with uh, another broadhead company, which had sold out. And, you know, just like you, I've seen a lot of talk about the Tooth of the Arrows last year and everything. You know, we started talking a little bit, and, you know, we, we kind of started off a little more casual last year. And, you know, we tried them last year to see, you know, what we thought. And like I said, if anybody hasn't seen them, uh, you're talking about a four-blade fixed broadhead that is completely CNC'd, one solid piece of steel. There's no moving parts. There's no removable blades. Heat treated for extra strength. You know, we ran them last year. You know, unfortunately, last year was probably my worst year for uh, whitetail hunting, uh, so I didn't get much good experiments with them. But, you know, one of my guys here in PA, you know, he harvested four deer last year, and he actually shot all four deer with the same broadhead. He just recovered it, sharpened it. You know, everybody that I know that's used them has had nothing but good things to say about them. And, you know, when you can put the same broadhead through four different shoulder blades and still keep using it, that, that says a lot about the testament to the strength and the quality design of it. Yeah, they've got a heck of a point on those that looks like it could just blast through a piece of bone with no issues whatsoever. And 100% made in the U.S., which is, you know, there's not a lot of broadheads. There's only a few that I believe can say that. And that's something I kind of like to try and myself do business with the companies that are, are manufacturing here. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big key for me. I mean, you know, a lot of people out there, I mean, they outsource a lot of stuff. But, I mean, you know, some people, they, they got to do what they got to do to keep cost effective. But tooth of the air, like you said, they are definitely one of the few that are completely made uh, in America. And if you just look at their Facebook page and they're constantly posting success pictures, I mean, they're, they're definitely, you know, the real deal for a broadhead. And we're all very pleased with them. Well, with your archery setup, tell the listeners a little bit, you know, everybody is shoots when they set a bow up and they shoot they're they're doing something a little bit different and with your darton bow and if i remember right most of the dartons come just already just decked right out with all the equipment that you need right out of the box but you also can add all sorts of aftermarket stuff to them from like your sponsor 30 odd six but tell the listeners a little bit about your setup that you're using what kind of bow do you favor well, I mean, this year, you know, with my Darton, I actually chose to use the Darton Demon. It's a short 30-inch axle-axle bow. Um, I've, I've pretty been partial to, you know, 32, 33, something like that. But I have shot bows in the past that were shorter, and I shot them very well. So that kind of gave me, you know, an ambition to you know, once try that, plus, you know, all, all the other guys, they were going with some other models. So I was kind of carrying the, the Demon Torch for us. And it's a real forgiving bow. I, I really like it a lot. I've, I enjoy shooting it. I just wish it was September <laughs> so we can get it out into the to the woods and everything. But, no, I have mine. You know, I'm shooting 70 pounds. I got those accompanied with VAP arrows from Victory Archery, you know, Tooth of the Arrows on the end of it. I mean, it, it's a good combination. Like I said, I've been shooting it for a few months since I got it, and, you know, I'm very pleased with it, and I, I'm just, I'm ready for some meat this fall. Foam's nice, but that's not the, uh, <laughs> that's not the end game for us. Well, right, if you're shooting 70 pounds with one of those heavy Tooth of the Arrow broadheads, you're set up for everything from whitetail to black bear, whatever gets in your way, whatever you have a license for, that demon should knock it right down. Oh, I have no doubts about that. Like I said, you know, just between the, the performance I'm getting out of my bow and those tooth of the arrows, I mean, they they make a punch and they just, I mean, they get the job done. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it this year. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking forward to it. But every year I seem to be a little bit more excited than the uh, year before. You know, that's a good point because as I get older, it's very nice. 
I start to get excited now because I can put in for the Texas draw hunts and you start to plan out what you hope to do, what you hope to draw, where you want to go, is the equipment ready to go, you know, everything starts to get to fall into place and yes it's hot but you go through that warm weather just for that amazing fall time to be out there hunting yeah you know and i think the biggest thing is too is obviously the old saying it goes you know practice makes perfect but you know when it comes into the to the hunting world you know lately you know we spend the summertime checking our trail cameras seeing what bucks and stuff we got out there and not you shouldn't just be practicing for yourself i mean you gotta you gotta practice because you owe it to the respect of the animals that you're pursuing you know if you got you know a doe you know a a world-class buck a bear you know whatever it is i mean you owe it to the respect to that animal to make sure that you've done everything you possibly can to make sure you're informed you're ready to go to make that quick clean ethical harvest and do your end on the same page of it i mean that's a big factor in there too in my eyes i've been hunting with a crossbow for years and i love hunting with my crossbow because i'm disabled i have a little bit of a hard time with a vertical bow so i bought a new bow this spring and i haven't gotten out enough to shoot it as much as i need to to be efficient with it and so it would be unfair of me to try to use it to hunt animals right now so i'll stick with my crossbow but i bought that new bow and and man i can only pull back 45 pounds you know i can't do a 70 pound pullback but what an amazing these new bows are just incredible they'll launch an arrow down there and if you're good at it double lung shot heart shot whatever it is and that animal's going down fast so it's it's really a neat option to get out there when it's still warm just have a good time and and enjoy nature and enjoy the setting around yourself Oh, absolutely. You know, and, you know, I, I don't do, I mean, I do go to some like 3D courses just to shoot something different besides a block target or whatever. Now, I, I, I practice, you know, year round for the hunt for that moment. And, you know, what I do personally is, you know, whenever I'm shooting, you know, whatever yardages or just random yardages, whatever I do, I, I only shoot one arrow at a time. And, you know, the reason I do that is, is, you know, whenever you're hunting, you only get one shot. I practice one shot at a time, and I just focus on making that one shot count. I don't really, you know, focus on, you know, doing a lot of the grouping and, and things like that. I just focus on keeping myself in form and, and making sure I can make that one shot count, you know, again, for myself and for, you know, the animals that we're going after to just make sure everything goes as planned as best as possible. Yeah, that's a great way to do it instead of worrying about trying to, like you said, do two, three, four arrows all in the right spot. You make sure that when you're hunting, you you got one shot. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I've, I've had some uh, instances, you know, a couple of years ago where, you know, I missed a couple of deer. I mean, every, everybody who archery hunts or hunts anything in general, I mean, you're going to miss eventually. But, you know, there's been a few of them I really beat myself up over, you know, but then, you know, being able to watch video afterwards, you know, just seeing a deer just kind of duck your arrow at times, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I won't lie than, you know, a complete miss. I'd rather have a complete miss altogether than, you know, a bad shot because that just, you know, that makes your night you know, a nightmare trying to track a wounded animal, you know, and on top of that, you, you've done just that. You've wounded the animal, and, you know, that's not where we're going. That's not what any of us are going for when we go hunting. Right. You want that good, clean kill. So going forward, what's next for Unchained Outdoors TV? Where do you want to take this show? What are you looking to do with this? We, we talk about that a lot. You know, for me, I, I just... You know, right now, I, I just want to keep things going. And, and, and you know, most importantly, I want to keep things growing and, and getting bigger. 
I'd say my, I guess my ultimate end goal, you know, one day it would be nice to have the opportunity to, you know, transform into, you know, kind of like a pursuit channel, something like that. But, you know, I mean, I, I really enjoy, you know, the Gen 7 and, and the things like that. This this web technology we're in in this day and age, I mean, it, it's taking over, uh, honestly, you know, and people don't watch TV like they do much anymore. You know, and on top of that, you know, from our end of it, airtime-wise, you know, it's more affordable, it's more reasonable on those sure. platforms. And you still get a good reach, you know, versus cable or whatever. And it gives people, you know, the freedom to watch whenever they want to, you know, whenever, wherever. I mean, you know, as far as Gen 7 is concerned, you know, anywhere you have Internet access, you can tune in and watch any of their shows live or, you know, on their on-demand menu and just watch, you know, whichever ones you prefer. But, you know, you know, in the next coming year, like I said, we're going to be going to Kentucky a couple times for archery season, uh, myself and Ed. Uh, I know James, you know, he'll be coming up here to Deer Hunt, I'm sure. I think we're even talking about maybe uh, making a trip over to Ohio one weekend, you know, waterfowl hunting and just, just keep doing what we enjoy. And, you know, we've got a couple hunts planned this fall, taking some kids out hunting. So that's going to be, you know, just even better than going hunting myself, honestly. That is one thing I wanted to mention next is I happened to interview Dan Burns, who runs with his son, the Nevins Hunting Friends. And you're involved with that as well, which is a, a charity that helps get kids with any type of special needs out in the woods to try to hunt uh, how did you get hooked in with that? Uh, well, that was actually would have been last January. One thing we did last year, which would have been our first season that we played on Gen 7, uh, we used to do uh, live videos directly after our primetime air, air slot, talk about the show and just, you know, talk to our followers and stuff and answer questions or whatever. And Mr. Burns was on there. I've never met him. And ironically, we only live you know, 40 minutes apart, but I've, I've never heard about Nevin's hunting friends at that time or, or knew Dan or anything. He asked me to give him a call when I was finished, and we talked, and he told me about it. You know, I was all for it. I was all on board. And that last uh, last spring, you know, we went to, to the turkey hunt, and we had a great time. And, you know, just seeing the looks in the kids' faces and getting outdoors and everything was awesome. And last year, before the deer hunt, um, you know, with me, all of us, you know, me, Ed, James, and Scotty, you know, we're all real big waterfowl hunters. It's one thing that we share. So we wanted to try to diverse the kids a little bit and get them some new experiences. So uh, we arranged the day where we took the kids 12 and older uh, on an early goose hunt in September, and they all had a blast with that because you have to be over 12 to waterfowl hunt. But we didn't want to leave the younger kids out. We took the younger kids dove hunting on a day and you know they had a blast doing that then we had the deer hunts and so on and um that's one thing that i plan on doing every year with them as the kids get older there's going to be some of them that dove hunted that are now old enough to waterfowl hunt and haven't had the chance yet so uh, we actually got that scheduled this year and uh you know it's a great experience i do remember last year after the goose hunt we took about five of the kids that were of age they had so much fun and i i heard from their parents their their christmas list was getting very expensive for waterfowl gear but <laughs> i was I wasn't going to take the blame for that one, but uh, <laughs> but no, it, it's a great organization. It, it really kind of puts things into perspective, you know, because, you know, what, what we do, we kind of take it for granted because a lot of these kids don't have that opportunity and, and can't do that. You know, it's just really cool. I'm glad to be a part of it, and, you know, we're just going to keep working with them and, and expanding everything on that route, too. Yeah, having interviewed Dan, it's really a great organization and a wonderful opportunity for the kids. I myself am mobility impaired, and well, I wasn't when I first started hunting. I've become that way, you know, gotten mobility impaired as I've aged. To see these young kids that may have issues getting out there hunting, in this case, goose hunting, which that can be a challenge in itself, let alone having some type of a special need. But it's got to be an absolute blast to do dove hunting with these kids because there's a lot of shooting, so they they can have a good time. 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, our goose hunt, it wasn't as, as eventful as I would hope for. You know, we did manage to get around, you know, some, some decent-sized flocks and everything, and unfortunately, we just didn't get any to cooperate where we were to come into range for them. But, you know, like you said, the dove hunt was, was loads of fun. Um, you know, they were shooting all the time, and, um, you know, the best part about that is, too, is our early dove and goose, you know, they run together. When we got to the location... There was, you know, some geese around, and two of the kids that were actually going off the goose hunt that went on the dove hunt as well, they actually managed to uh, shoot a couple geese. So, you know, two of them got to get their first ones anyway, and, you know, I think after that, some of the kids were looking at them, looking at the geese and how they operated and everything, and, you know, they're kind of hooked, and they're looking forward to till, till they're of age to be able to do it themselves. Because I think we had five last year, and I believe this year we're going to have eight or nine of the kids, actually, that are going to be old enough. So we're looking forward to that one. That's probably my favorite of the year has taken them out goose hunting yeah that's got to be an absolute blast for you guys to be involved you also work with looking at your website and guessing that if you get the chance to take a veteran hunting you'll do that as well yeah, absolutely. I work with uh, David Cagle from uh, American Veteran Outdoors. Uh, he's a great guy, another nonprofit that does great things for our veterans. You know, I try to help out as much as I can. We we actually have it set up on our website. You know, every time somebody buys something off our website, whether it's a hat or a shirt, decal, can koozie, you know, whatever, we donate a dollar of every item to them. You know, and I've told David before, you know, I said, if you ever get any veterans, you know, up around my area and you need someone to take them out, you know, give me a call and, and we'll make it happen because what, no matter what some people say these days, we don't have a country without our veterans. And if we have the opportunity to, to give back to them in any way, um, no matter how big or small, then we're going to take care of that advantage and, you know, do our parts the least that we could do anyway. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's And again, it's taking somebody out there to hunt, veteran or not, introducing them to the outdoors and hopefully helping them become better sportsmen, sportswomen, uh, just a better, you know, just a way to better enjoy nature. Some of the best hunts I've ever been on, and I don't know about you if you can say this, but some of the best hunts I've ever been on, no animal was ever harvested. They were, but it was just a good time hanging out with everybody, talking, and just sitting out in the woods and enjoying the beauty that's out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my favorite hunts that I've gone on by far are the uh, you know, last turkey season. You know, none of the kids were fortunate enough to get a bird. The kid I accompanied, he, he actually got to take a shot at one. But just spending time with them and, and just seeing their you know their excitement about the sport that w- that we've been doing for a while and enjoy it's just you know it's great to see there's going to be another generation coming up that's going to be you know carrying on the sport and the tradition. Right. Having kids myself and you see them, even I do this, you're you're looking at your phone, you're looking at your iPad, you're looking at your computer, all great things. But to see them actually out there in the woods having a good time, the excitement in their eyes when they tell you about seeing a turkey come in or seeing ducks or holding up those first doves that they might have knocked down. You can't beat that look that you see from these kids. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, last year when we did the, the uh, youth doe hunt, when, when the episode you talked to Dan, you know, all 14 kids got a deer. You know, a lot of the kids, it was their first deer. And you couldn't tell if they shot a, a small doe or if they just shot a 200-inch world record buck. I mean, <laughs> just the excitement of being able to accomplish that, and it's just unbelievable, you know. I mean, I, it, it really takes me back to when I was younger. You know, I still get excited whenever I harvest anything. I don't, I mean, if I ever lose that excitement, I'm it's time quitting on hunt anymore. But, I mean... 
being it's almost kind of like being able to relive the moments again through somebody else and it's pretty special for me whether it's a buck or a doe i i really don't care both are exciting to me taking somebody out is fantastic so it's it's really just being out there and and hunting and having a good time which is what i enjoy with your show i I like to i want people to go out to the gen 7 outdoor network the nice thing is if you have a roku in your living room man you can access it through there if you have your laptop in front of you or your ipad or your telephone uh, you you can go out access this i'm going to have a link to not only unchainedoutdoors.net on my website at outdoor adventures with jason but you can also go directly to it and see the shows that that you've got out there justin and what a great way people can go out and say i want to as you touched on earlier with these internet-based shows people can watch them when and where they want and that's really a, a huge benefit because i can go out there and watch two three four of your shows and really get hooked and want to see more and i think I just think it's a great opportunity to to broadcast your show that way. Yeah, I mean, people just aren't watching, you know, TV as much as they used to. I mean, I think a lot of people are actually doing away with cable in general, you know, and first season ratings... Uh, they they kind of they kind of spoke for themselves. I mean, as far as the market we're reaching, the potential viewer we're going for, and you know, I I have some friends you know that have shows on some of the higher networks. Uh, you know, we had ratings that matched or was higher than some of theirs on the cable channel. So some people they don't classify the web-based shows as as real TV shows, but everybody's entitled to their opinion, I suppose. And sure, my favorite response to that is as well. Look at Netflix. I mean, they have their own series of TV shows, and everybody watches those and enjoys those. It's not really much different <laughs> right growing up there was three four tv channels now there's thousands that cater to whatever you want to watch oh absolutely i mean it's growing you know and cable web-based whatever whatever it may be there's something there for everybody and and if you enjoy the the cable you know providers or whatever that's fine and you know a lot of people like i said i like the freedom of the web-based platforms and myself uh, i watch more of the web-based platform uh hunting channels and shows and everything than than i do just because i kind of well i kind of enjoy them a little bit more and you know it just has that flexibility especially with the on-demand you know if i'm in the mood to watch something now but it might not come on till nine o'clock or whatever later i can watch it when i want to <laughs> exactly there's a lot of shows that I just don't even know when they regularly air because I watch them on demand. Now, looking at your show, a lot of folks get out there and say, gosh, you know, I would love to record my hunts and I'm just not sure what kind of equipment to use. You know, what what's the best? There's so much good equipment out there that I think people get paralyzed by what to buy and what not to buy. Are you able to give just a, a little bit of time to what kind of setups you use for cameras and recording and editing? Yeah, I mean, right now at the moment, I've been using a uh, a Canon Vixia G20 series camera. It's a, it's a real quality. It's not quite, you know, your professional level, but it's not a lower level. It's a good mix of a little bit of everything. It's it's cost efficient. It's user friendly. When I say cost efficient, I mean you can usually pick them up for you know five to eight hundred dollars. You know, there's cameras out there that go up into the you know four and five thousand dollar range. But you know, going back to what I said earlier. You know, when I started doing things, I, I was trying to do things as cost-effective as possible and whatever. I mean, I first started with a, you know, a $150, you know, Sony Handycam from Walmart. And, you know, just as things progressed and, you know, went on, I, I bought a little bit better camera here, a little bit better camera there. Just kind of grew within the means and, you know, just things that you kind of need to have. And, and I mean, it, it, it helps to have a little bit better camera, but, I mean, it, it's all in what you want to make out of it when, at the end of the day. And I think that goes for just about anything. Sure, and that Canon that you're using is a high-def camcorder, so you can film some very good footage with it. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, the price point of it, it's, it, you know, one of Canon's mid-range cameras. The quality out, out of it is, is you know, very, very good. And um, I noticed, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, doing shows like ours or whatever. That, that seems to be one of the popular choices. Maybe not specifically that G20 series, but, you know, the, the Vixia line of cameras that Canon offers, it seems to be the most popular choice by a lot of people, I've noticed. Yeah, it's a very versatile camera. And I've seen it listed in a number of packages from some of the more prominent, you know, camera sellers out there. So I have not used that particular one myself. I have a different Canon that I use, uh, which is an older model because I I do very little recording. You know, most of my stuff is voice displayed. So mine's nowhere near the level of the Vixia, the G20. But it's a camera that I've actually had my eye on that the G3. 30 are both i think just fantastic setups uh, so then you have the camera you have do you mic yourself up or do you talk just through the mic that's in the camera or do you talk in production when you're editing the, the film i do a little bit of both uh honestly with the camera i do have some mics you know shotgun mics and just you know actual microphones to plug in and everything but you know on the stand and everything i really don't use a mic out there just less to carry and the you know the microphone that comes on those those vixia series cameras they they pick up pretty well so i've never really had the need for it you know there are some times whenever you know white tail hunting or whatever understand you don't want to talk too loud or anything and it might not you know be very clear on that on that route but um you know i do on the on the editing and things you know i do some voiceover work and do stuff like that and just kind of just mix it up depending what the situation is but you know that's another thing i love about that camera you know the mic that comes with it is is so sensitive that you know it, it picks up very well and, and kind of eliminates the infield needs for a lot of those you know mic accessories Oh, okay. And I saw one particular person, I don't remember which show it was, but they were using a very similar camera. And I, it actually might have been the same camera. But what was really cool is, and for folks that are wanting to record, could you explain what B-roll footage is? Well, you know, it's basically just your your extra footage to me that, you know, that you didn't, it's not, you know, a lot of action, but it's something just kind of the, to fill in the, the time, fill in the air, you know, and you get your second angles and, and stuff like that. You, you need as much footage as you can to put together some of these episodes. You know, that's why you'll see the occasional, you know, maybe a squirrel playing around, stuff like that, just some extra filler, things like that. You know, I've, I've seen some, some neat things I'll try to capture while out hunting, just for one, because I know it'll make good secondary footage to fill in and you know just sometimes you see things that nobody believe you if they didn't see it with their own eyes type of thing right and for the listeners and that's why i asked justin the b-roll footage as far as i think about it is what really helps to flesh out the story that you're trying to tell i've seen some guys using their iphones and samsung phones because uh, they can attach them to some of the little tripods and stuff and they'll leave their main camera set up for whatever particular item then they'll do some walkarounds and they'll catch it with the iphones and the the samsungs because the cameras are so good and they're filming in hd and that really gives you guys the the flexibility to to really flesh out that story and tell that turkey hunt or that whitetail hunt and, and really bring it to life for the viewers yeah, like I said, like that's the other thing, you know, is trying to, you know, when you capture some of those, you know, it might not be directly pertained to that animal that you harvest, but it was part of your day and a unique experience that nobody would really know about. It's going to be a ways off, uh, so I don't, I don't want to put out too big of spoilers, but this past turkey season here, uh, Ed was out on an evening hunt whenever we were able to hunt turkeys in the afternoon. He actually had a gobbler jump over the log he was leaning against and pretty much landed right in his lap. They kind of had like a 
three stooges moment with each other just because I think they startled one another <laughs> and you know things like things like that you know it, without seeing it firsthand you just kind of like oh there's no way that happened but uh, and it, it kind of adds some entertainment to particular scenes and episodes as well oh man that would wake you up if you were starting to drift off in an afternoon and when a turkey lands in your lap that would definitely wake you up all, all I could say is is I, I think uh I think I think he's probably got some pretty good calling skills <laughs> if he can bring one to do it to his lap, literally. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Now tell folks, Justin, they're out there listening to the show and they decide, hey, I really want to touch base with Justin. What is the best way? Is it to go right to your website? Yeah, if you go onto the website, there's a there's a contact page on there that'll that'll give you uh, my email address. You can contact, or I mean, you can even go onto our Facebook page and you know click on the message button and send it over. And I answer all the messages that come through. So a- any of those outlets are, are a perfect way, and I'll do my best to get a hold of anybody as soon as I can. Great. Now, any big news coming you want to share? Anything that we should be expecting coming up out of these next episodes that the viewers or the people that even haven't viewed yet really want to tune in to see? Well, you know, season two, I was very excited about that. You know, our first season with Gen 7, uh, you know, we didn't even have a complete season. And that that deal kind of come together at a last minute. I, I didn't even really... Looking back, I probably shouldn't have even went through with the, the season one the way that I did. But, you know, we had some other deals lined up on shows and they fell through and the, and the Gen 7 came up at the last minute. And I just kind of put together what I could. But, you know, I knew season two was going to be was going to be something special. And, you know, before Dan actually had the uh, option for the Nevin's Hunting Friends TV, uh, we had an agreement where uh, I was going to air the entire spring turkey hunt on our show. It ended up being a, a three part episode, which, you know, to get all the kids on there, you know, it had to work out that way. So, you know, you're going to get to see some background information and, and see firsthand what NHF is all about and also going over to watch their episodes as well. Um, you know, and, and it was pretty diverse. Diverse. You know, we got whitetail hunting on season two. We got turkey hunting. We have bow fishing, you know, waterfowl hunting. And one of the big things on there was I have an episode on there where I went out of my element um, and I actually went hunting with an outfitter for the first time. I've never done that before. It was actually located in Pennsylvania. It was called Moore's Widowmaker Island. And it was a hunting preserve literally located on a 150-acre island in the middle of the Susquehanna River. Wow. Um, they, took you out, they took you out by boat and dropped you off, and you just cruised the island until you come across what you were uh, in search for. And I went over there and did a ram hunt because uh, I always wanted to shoot a ram. They're kind of one of my favorite wild animals. So I, it was kind of cool, too, to capture that memory on, on camera as well, being it was something that, you know, I wanted to pursue and accomplish. So there, there's a pretty mixed bag of uh, a little bit of everything on season two. And, um, you know, season three, you know, we, we've obviously we started filming that uh, with turkey season and whatnot. And uh, there's going to be some interesting parts from turkey season coming up on that one. I was fortunate enough to uh, harvest my first Kentucky bird opening day this year. Um, so that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, by NWTF standards, you know, it, it, if I'd have got it officially scored and everything like that, it actually would have ended up being the 25th largest typical. I mean, that was pretty cool, but I didn't get it officially scored or anything like that. I mean, it probably would have been cool and everything, but, you know, I'm not really in it for the award and stuff. I'm going to, obviously, I'm getting it mounted, and, you know, I'll have that, and I'll have the footage and everything to go with it, and I still have my memory. You know, it's not about awards and trophies to me, so lucky enough to uh, harvest a good bird and, and have that memory and uh, hoping to uh, repeat that same success in the fall. Sure. Now, this is a bird that you harvested that we'll be able to see on Season 3? Yeah, it'll be it'll be part of the Season 3. 
typically, you know, the way that I do things, I try to keep things not so much in order, but kind of have to, you know, manage your guidelines on stuff. You know, the first season, you know, we started off with turkey hunting footage. So uh, typically, you know, once turkey season starts, you know, that'll start production for the next season and and through till next year. And, you know, everything from turkey season on is uh, a season of hunting for uh, Gen 7 or any of the networks we, we go to. Once turkey season starts, it pretty much starts a, a new year for us, essentially. Yeah, that's really the kickoff and, and carry you through. Justin, I really can't thank you enough for the time you've given the listeners and myself. It's really neat to listen and learn about what everybody's doing because there's really a lot of folks that look at this and want to go out and try and record. And I always encourage folks to take it to the next level and, and try and do whatever they're comfortable with. And you've really done that great benchmark for people to look at is here's a guy that he works a full-time job, does all his stuff and is producing quality TV, uh, which used to be out of the reach of everybody. And now, you know, I tell folks, get out there, just do it. Don't worry about what the what it looks like. Just do it and you'll learn and get better. And in watching your shows, you can really be an inspiration for all those folks that want to come up behind you and make shows and, and, and follow in your footsteps. So I can't thank you enough for your time. And I'll have links to your website and Gen 7 on my website, oawjs.com. But everybody else, if they want to go directly to your website, it's unchained-outdoors.net. And there's contact there with Justin's phone number and email address, as well as James's information. So I, I really encourage folks to go to Gen 7. I'll have a link to it to check out these shows. Justin, it's really, it's really a good show, though. The Widowmaker one was my next one I was going to watch. So it's funny, I have that one sitting right here on my computer to watch. Personally, that was probably one of my favorites experience-wise, but I really enjoyed it. But I think I've had people ask me what my favorite one is that I've done so far. And I think if you combine experience and just working on it, you know, I, I really enjoyed the bow fishing episode because that was a fun time. And the scenery just made it so out of place, but it, it really made it unique at the same time. Yeah, I've heard that. Now, I've personally never gone bow fishing, but I have a lot of friends that have. And that seems to be one of those things that once you get hooked on it, it's just as heavy as some of these guys that do turkey hunting or anything like that. They just want to go out and bow fish over and over and over. And they, they hate the wintertime because they can't do any bow fishing. Yeah, I, I didn't really do it a whole lot before that evening. I, I, I did a couple of times, but I mean, when you're on that kind of level with, with a guy like Nocturnal Addiction, you know, you just have to show up and everything else is ready to go. And, and you know, cruising through downtown Pittsburgh, shooting fish just was so out of the elements with the, with the you know, the city scenery and everything. But, you know, as, as people saw in there, I mean, you know, that wasn't the best night that he's ever had. But I mean, you know, we, we got him a lot of fish. And I mean, there's a lot of fish on there that we didn't use on the episode. I couldn't even, I lost count how many fish we actually saw that evening. It, it was a good time and it's definitely addicting. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Oh, cool. Well, I can't wait to see what keeps coming along out of the show. We'll have to touch base here in, in a few months to see how the season's rolling, how the third season's going. I encourage folks to head out to your website to the unchained-outdoors.net. You know, again, I really appreciate your time, Justin. Well, I appreciate you having me on here. I always enjoy uh, getting to talk hunting with new people. Yeah, you've got me itching to go down to see what Pennsylvania's like. And so I really appreciate it. I, I love learning about the diversity of hunting in this country. There's just so much to learn. It's always interesting to talk to guys from different areas. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of these years, you know, maybe we'll have to make a plan and get you down here and check out what we got going on down here. Sounds good. Will you take care, my friend? We'll, uh, we'll be in touch as we go along, and I, I really want to follow up with you later on to see how the seasons are rolling, how you're liking that new darting equipment you're shooting, 
and how those tooth of the arrows are treating you after we get through, say, the uh, archery season. Uh, you know, keep in touch, and uh, I look forward to everything to see how it goes. And, and again, I can't thank you enough for your time. Well, I really appreciate it. You know, I mean, to close this off, you know, I, I just I just want to say thanks to everybody who's watched the show and supported us and, you know, sent us emails, messages, whatever it may be. And, you know, you know, obviously, you know, a big thanks to, you know, Ed and Chad and Scotty and James for, you know, being a part of it and doing what they do to keep things going. And, you know, obviously on top of that, you know, with Tooth of the Arrow and Dart and Archery, uh, Victory Archery, Scentwalk, Native, Ground Blind and 30-06, you know, they're, they're the big help on all this. And, you know, we appreciate their support and, uh, we can't thank all them enough for what they do for us. Yeah, you've got just a great lineup of sponsors behind you. That's the important thing to help you put together just a, a fantastic show. So you're really doing some great stuff there. I want folks to go out to check out the Gen 7. I'll have links in the show notes to your Justin's Facebook page and website. And so it, it'll be real easy to go out there and find him, contact him, and just enjoy the show. And so you have a great afternoon. You too. Thanks again for having me. Oh, my pleasure. You take care. You too. Come early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed, and hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rise bass boat, here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors round here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake, flipping jigs in Carolina rigs, from early morning till real late. Bonfires on the creek bank, kick back a couple beers, yeah we command the outdoors around here, yeah we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's doves until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands. The fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors